With about 60,000 tracks uploaded daily on Spotify alone, it's easy for anyone to get lost in the mix. So let's try to reverse the odds of being found. My guests are from the creative and business side of the music scene. We talk about what inspires them, their process, and the practical steps they've been taking to get noticed. I'm Saina, your host. Welcome to the show. I hope everyone is doing well and feeling grateful that we have made it through the winter. I hate winter. Anyway, on to this episode. So I talked to Silas Short, a singer-songwriter and producer. We talked through the process of his EP drawing and his upbringing surrounded by music in Milwaukee, just outside of Chicago. Stick around till the end to listen to his vibrant stories, including a road trip slash love story on a school truck traveling around the US. Hello, good morning to you, and it's actually good afternoon to me. I'm Silas. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much. Good afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> so, where are you? I'm I'm currently in Chicago right now. Okay, cool. I'm looking out my window. It is a very gloomy, gray day today. <laughs> Do you know what? Funny you say that because I'm looking out the window and it's actually blue sky. Believe it or not, in London. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I know. It was actually just raining about an hour ago. So, you know, that is more really, like typical it's just like, London. Is it, is it, it's actually like raining there like all the time. Yes. Very unpredictable. But yeah, cool. Let's get on to your music. So how's it yeah. been? How's it been going? I mean, it's been going really good. Um, I've been working like crazy on my production skills. Nice. Because um, I'm just so like, I was so happy about how well the last record went mm-hmm, like, I've seen yeah it's yeah it's crazy um so I actually I made the the drawing record before I got signed and they basically like they took it and we kind of mixed it you know they really didn't spend a lot of money on marketing it they just kind of really yeah wow. they just kind of okay. put it out into yeah. the world and it just got picked up you know nice. and I mean that's the power of like a label but um even still a lot of times like they'll have to run like campaigns or things like that but you know I, I I've because it's like been so successful I'm like man I, I really want to like do something better the next time yeah you know? just so. keep pushing keep pushing but that's so good like I mean as we all know now it sadly is about the stats and the numbers but you've got mm-hmm. them there so you know for the next one it's only going to get Bigger and bigger, isn't it? Yeah, thank you. Exciting, yeah. cool. So, mm-hmm. um, tell me your story. How did you first get into music? So, I've been around music my entire life. My dad is actually a musician, which is really funny. And he met my mom uh, in this really funny band. Man, I'm trying to remember what their name was. It was something really cheesy. But my my dad, he was he was like the the white dude that was in the all black church that played okay. guitar. Like it's it's like a very it's a thing for some reason. Yeah. Like th- that's just the archetype, but that's like my dad <laughs> is that archetype, which is, you know, super funny. But yeah, they were they were in this they were in this band and and my dad's always made like some really sweet like ambient music and I grew up like listening to gospel music and rock and roll, like all of it. So I think my first experience was when I was 
maybe like three years old, I remember I was like laying on this futon and me and my brother, like we shared a futon at my dad's house, like on the floor in his office. Oh my and God, yeah. He, he was just, he was editing and making ambient music and we would just fall asleep to him, like making these like really beautiful chords. That's so cute, yeah. And sounds, yeah. And like, it was, it was crazy. But I think ever since then, you know, I've always been like really connected to music. And I picked up the, the guitar when I was, um, when I was eight. I've had, I've had a guitar in my hands for almost 17 years because I'm 25 now. Yeah, that's how, that's how it started for me. Okay. And then how did that progress into songwriting? Well, my, my dad would never like teach me anything. He would never like sit me down and, and say like, oh, this is a lesson that you have to do. Like mm. you have to learn this or this. Like he would just be like, you got to figure out how to play on your own <laughs> if you want right. to learn how to play. And because of that, like I never learned anybody else's songs. Like I would never do covers or anything. I would just make my own songs. Oh, okay. Interesting. And yeah, and that that's that and that's how like, you know, that's basically how I got started into songwriting. It's just like I it was just immediately. It was just like Yeah. Oh yeah, I just I guess I just write songs and that's how I've learned, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And did the kind of like singing come later or was that something you always doing while you're writing guitar? It's really funny. My my brother, like he would always bully me and tell me I had a horrible voice. <laughs> and but you know, that's that's, that's just like, brothers, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's just your sibling. They're gonna they're gonna yeah. take you down a few notches. <laughs> so I started singing because of my friend. Uh, Anthony at the time like he wanted to he wanted to kind of do this like really cool uh, alternative like grunge band where we both sang in it and I think I must have been like 13 years old and I started singing for the first time and he was just like bro like, I love your voice like you should continue singing so I've been practicing and trying singing since I was like really since I was like 13 maybe but I didn't like that was that was really hard because it's like by the time I got to high school, you know, like I went to an arts high school. So like we would sing like in choir and stuff and 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 I made this this vocal jazz group my senior year. And I think that was really when I was like actually trying to focus on technique and I'm still learning how to sing. Like I'm not r really as much of a singer as I am a, gu a guitar player. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you feel like... I mean, like you said, obviously you did choir and then you did the jazz. Um, did you feel when you were growing up that there was a music scene? Like from such a young age, it's kind of one of those things that I guess are a hobby, aren't they? So did you have a lot of people like around you or was it mainly your dad? Uh, yeah, yeah, I did. I did have a lot of people around me. It's really funny. Like, um, so I grew up in this smaller town about 100 miles north of uh, Chicago called Milwaukee and it's in Wisconsin it's in the in the state of Wisconsin um, and it's very cold there and <laughs> we have like for some reason like the Midwest has this like emo math rock punk kind of <laughs> sound 
Yeah. And that's just like the sound of of like a lot of like, you know, bands in the Midwest if you're going to go to like a rock show. And I lived between, you know, I lived in the suburbs, but I would go to church in the black neighborhood, like yeah. where my family was from. Mm-hmm. So like it was really it's just like this weird dichotomy where I would listen to like gospel music and like and alternative music. But, you know, um, there was like this really awesome there was like two scenes, you know, there was like the church scene. You know, I would go to church and I would listen to the music there and all the kids that we grew up with there were like we were all learning how to do music by having the church musician, you know, like our parents let us like play some songs while, you know, the sermon was going on and we would just they would just have us improvise. And then on the other hand, we would organize house shows with our friends, you know, and, and that was in the suburbs. So that was like the super emo Midwest, like math rock type of thing. So it was like between like church music and like, and punk music slash like emo music. That's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, And that's the scene. It's, it's kind of funny, but like Milwaukee, you know, it used to have a really vibrant, scene and it was like all ages at one point and um i think a lot of it, it comes in waves you know there's like a generation of kids that like really hold together a scene and then when they grow up you know it it kind of dies down um but i was fortunate enough to grow up when there was a really strong scene in milwaukee interesting nice and so when did you first cuz i i mean i had a look at your releases and you've had this EP is it EP or album it's an EP isn't it's it? an EP yeah yeah um and you had a couple singles from that before that mm-hmm. so it's mainly the EP isn't it that was like your first release the start of the journey yeah well it was the start of like my journey as my own artist okay so what were you doing before that I had this band and it was like <laughs> It's like jazz mixed with uh, math rock. Oh, okay. <laughs> and it's really kind of funny. Um, but I was definitely, I, I didn't know how to like sing as well yet, you know. And mm. it, it was just kind of this really funny like attempt at trying to do something like innovative and new with music. Um, but it's called Early Face. And that's, that was like the first thing I released ever and that was back in 20, 2017, February in 2017. But that didn't really get any attention. But this is really like, yeah, this is the the first thing as me, as like myself. Are you still in that band? Um, no, but I still work with a drummer. It was just me and a okay. drummer. Nice. Okay, sweet. Yeah, and then you released your first single when? The first single... Came out in June, at the end of June, June 29th for Cloudy June. Yeah. And funnily enough, it was it was on a it was on a gloomy day in LA, which okay. doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Inside out, baby. Just thought I'd come in here to let you know that my latest single, Alive, is out now on all streaming platforms. Make sure to go check out the full version after, or maybe now if you're in need of a quick break. You said that you had the EP ready um, before you got signed. Mm-hmm. So did you have those singles released before the uh, before you got signed as well? Uh, no, actually. So 
I had it was the, all with the label. It was all, it was all released with the oh, label. Okay, okay, cool. It was basically it was finished in twenty November of twenty twenty when the record was actually like basically finished, but didn't get released till almost a year later. I guess that just is the process, or was it was something held up, or was it just that you were trying to get together everything like else, kind of like promotion wise. Well, it took it took a long time to negotiate um, and and go on the negotiating table. I used to yeah, work for yeah. for an entertainment attorney, and he was the one that was helping me, which is really funny because like it really helped me be able to read my contract and also mm. work out like my own negotiations yeah. on yeah. on the record deal. But very true. I, yeah, I just wanted to be really thorough and make sure that it. It was like a fair deal. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, because you you don't want to sign something that you're just going to regret later on. So you want to make the most of it, don't you? Mm-hmm. Make sure it's clear. That's the thing with these things. Like, you know, we as artists mostly cannot read con- contracts. So it's like, you know, we need someone reliable to translate that or even better, like you did understand it a bit yourself. Yeah, yeah. That definitely helps. Yeah, and how how has it been then with the label? They're they're so they're so great. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I mean Stone's Throw is just like absolutely legendary, and it's daunting because the the legacy is just so incredible. You know, you have Madlib, you have MF Doom, a- Anderson Pack, you have Knowledge. You know, Mind Designs on there. Yeah, yeah. You have. Mayor Hawthorne, he he started out on there, which he has some really incredible stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, nice, but it's all that just like the whole, the whole kind of vibe of it is just, it's what I've been looking for like my whole life. Like, That's good. A group of people who are very genuine about yeah. following their dreams and being real about them. Because that's really hard to find in the music industry, I feel like. There's a lot of people who are, you know, who can be really fake. You know, they they don't really care about the music. They just care about, like, you know, the power. Exactly. And they, they, they'll, they'll claim they do. They claim that they are all about the music. And it's like, mm, no, you're just talking from a business yeah. standpoint. Yeah. You just want to, you just want the clout. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and then, and I'm really grateful and blessed that it's not like that at all. Yeah, it's it's all like just super down to earth to just meet you where you're at. It was actually Peanut Butter Wolf that that discovered me, um, the person who started the label, and he was like, "Yeah, let's hop on a call." And I didn't really know who he was. You know, he's like a legend, but you know, I didn't really know who he was when we met over the phone, and I was just having. We weren't even talking about music. <laughs> we were just like, we were just being real. So, and that's been the whole vibe, you know, ever since I, I've been signed. How did he find you then? Through Instagram. And you hadn't got anything released yet? I hadn't had anything released. I just had a bunch of little clips, like audio clips of me, like singing and playing on my that's guitar. That's amazing though. Yeah. Yeah. And he was just like, it, it was I. I followed him on like Christmas Eve, and within five minutes of me <laughs> following him, he spamming you. <laughs> no, he yeah. He sent me a message, 
And he was just like, hey, like, I really, I really dig what you have on your profile. And I see you said you have on your bio, you're releasing an EP soon. Can I hear it? And I sent it to him. And he got back to me the next day and he was just like, on Christmas like, Day. <laughs> Yeah. That just shows how important it was. He he (laughs) took his time out of his Christmas day to go get back to you. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. He, and he just got back to me and he was just like, this is, he said, this is a breath of fresh air and I, and I really like this. You know, he's heard everything. (laughs) Yeah. Do you have a manager? No, actually. I have, I have a, I have a project manager through the label, but I don't have my, own manager no interesting okay tell me about the process the whole process so like you said you had the songs done before you know tell me the process from the start um of the ep uh going on to releasing with the label yeah um so i i had this friend that i grew up with in milwaukee his name is jackson shepherd um and he's an incredible producer and arranger and you know, I, my bag, I think is just writing songs. I can just write guitar parts. I can write songs. I can sing melodies all day. And I think, you know, producing and arranging the way, you know, that I really, that I really want to is just like kind of beyond my capabilities a lot of times. So I just reached out to him and I was like, Hey man, like I really want to make a dope record. And Originally, it was supposed to be put out with this artist collective named uh, The Ruby Yacht, which um, is is owned by Rap Ferreira, who used to go by Milo. Um, and he's a really awesome underground hip-hop artist. Um, and I kind of learned through that camp. So I, I wanted to make a record for their artist collective, and that, that was the intended purpose of, of the record originally. And so I asked Jackson, I'm like, hey, you want to put this out? Like we can get this on the Ruby Yacht. I think this will be like a really awesome opportunity for the both of us. And, you know, he was just like, yeah. And the entire time we made the record, it was just all like, we were all just kind of goofing off or like super serious, you know. Um, but the entire record is actually, it, it's, it's in the order of how it was made. So it has like a bit of like the process already like put into um, just how it was released. Because I was like, I I think it sounds best if it's going through the progression of how it was made. Yeah, yeah. So did you make all the tracks with the same producer? Yeah, yeah. Um, And I would just, it's really funny the the way that, that we did it is would ask for like, okay, can you just like give me like a beat? that's in this feel and I would have like a guitar part ready I would just lay down the guitar part and then I would sing like all the the little piano melodies and and other like arrangement melodies and he would add like his ideas to it too because he's really he's really smart at he knows music theory you know and that's something that I'm not great at yeah I got good ears I can hear good things but you know he's really really amazing at it so you know, I would sing these little melodies. He'd be like, oh, cool. I can, I can harmonize this with this. And he would like add these little things that, that would go. And it was, it was super synergetic and, and it was like a really incredible experience. And it actually helped me learn how to be able to produce on my own. And now like I'm 
I'm really good at That's producing good. now. <laughs> yeah, good. So. It's nice that you could both bring to the table and not feel like, you know, it can be some situations where you feel like someone's just taking over or, you know, one's putting in less, but at least it was like, it really was like a 50-50 uh, effort into creating it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because, you know, you can write the songs and you can write the lyrics, but it's really, it's really about, you know, how how is it? produced and how is it arranged you know yeah, because that can change everything exactly and you know I grew up in in studios my whole life I ended up mixing the whole record and just kind oh, of okay and kind of doing that because that's something that for whatever reason I've always been like really good at because really that's really interesting I've actually there's a few people I've spoken to and they can't produce but they'll still mix and I don't understand that <laughs> That's what I don't yeah. understand. And they're, yeah, and they're singers, songwriters or whatever it is. And they mix. I'm like, what? <laughs> That's like the the science bit, like the really complicated bit. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Um, I guess, yeah. It, it's something about mixing is like, it's less complicated in, in certain ways. Maybe because it's like formulaic. So it's like, you know, so it's like you you kind of know what you're aiming for, whereas production can be like, so many different ways that is like oh, yeah did you start <laughs> yeah like I think one big thing in production is like transitioning from one section to the next and yeah, how, do you, yeah. how do you make those sections transition smoothly you have to be able to like really know like how to create like a really dope fill or use a dope like synth there are little things like that that you know, aren't it's as complicated as doing. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I guess with your sound and also my sound as well, like we have the um, advantage of just getting in real musicians to do what to, to do that bit. So you know, yeah, that, yeah, that definitely helps bring it together and can sometimes even improve it. You know. Yeah, exactly. And I think, and that's, that was the, th that's the only thing that like, I can't do, like, I can't play keys. Like that's like, I, I can't like, for whatever reason, like I try, but it just doesn't come together for me. But I can play, you know, I can play guitar like crazy. I can play, uh, I can put, put a beat down like crazy or play bass like crazy, but like, I just cannot do keys and keys is ultimately like the biggest thing when it comes to like adding like maybe like a synth pad or a strings pad you know I guess but you know you can always just press the keys I mean like <laughs> press the keys see if something sounds nice I think yeah the guitar is a lot harder to like you couldn't just play like you can play notes but you couldn't just play chords like however you know whereas yeah, keys I, you can just press them and you press three three buttons and you've got a sound like <laughs> yeah true true yeah there's way more there's way more technique that goes i guess into yeah. guitar but yeah. and then you just get someone else to play it in you know yeah exactly and and but i i'm i'm like crazy i'd be like no i'd never let anybody <laughs> play guitar on i'm cuz i'm like a Psycho. <laughs> <laughs> Control freak. Oh, yeah. Don't yeah, worry. Yeah. So am I. Going on from that. So you had the production done. Um, you mixed it. And then you came in contact with this label. Am I right? And then you obviously were negotiating that deal. And then you released with them. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and how how was the kind of were you in like a campaign mode? Were you very Im- involved in that? Um, in terms of you know the artwork and anything else, any visuals? Were you involved yeah. in all of that? Yeah, I I was I was looped in in every step of the way um, for pretty much everything and. For the most part, it's it's just been a really chill collaboration. The artist Jeff Jank, he he wanted to kind of take the direction for the singles, and then I kind of I asked if we could use the photo for the for the record cover um, that we use, so I could so I could actually draw on the record when um, when the physical record came out, so I could yeah, like, yeah. go to shows and I could just draw shit on it. It's been a really cool collaboration and. Figuring out how to play everything live has been very interesting, but it's it it's gotten really good. That's cool. I have seen you being really active with the gigs. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 going crazy. We I think our fourth show was opening for the Walters at the House of Blues in Chicago for thirteen hundred people. Wow. <laughs> That is and, mental. <laughs> yeah. Were you scared? <laughs> By that show, not really. I think I think I was just I was too focused to be scared. <laughs> I was just like, I can't if I if I lose focus and get scared, <laughs> it's like it's gonna be a train wreck in front of oh, thirteen hundred people. You know, there's too much riding on it. But Wow, yeah. I'm waiting for that day when I'm not. I mean, to be honest, yeah, I, I've been okay. But like, I guess also half the time you can't really see everyone. So it's okay. <laughs> yeah. When you're on yeah. stage and the light's in your eyes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, on the, like, I will say like at the House of Blues, you're so, you're so much higher okay, than a lot yeah. of the crowd. Yeah. And it's like vibe. The, the lights are super vibey in there. And there's like a balcony above you. So it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's just a really crazy experience, but you got to just kind of let go, you know, and, and just let, let the soul, soul power just drive you, you know? I'm very um, intrigued to see what your live gigs are like, because I feel like there is so much space within your music that you can experiment on live. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you get, artists where you go and they're just singing to a backing track or whatever it's like okay great but you know how that's gonna sound but mm-hmm. when it's live instrumentation and with like your kind of music and the genre that you take your music in I feel like there's so much you can do and like you can go a bit I'm guessing you go a bit like heavier like a bit more yeah yeah, yeah. I can it's de- yeah I can sense that yeah it's definitely like it's way different it's yeah but that's so much better. Like that's an experience. Like you're actually going to see them live and you're paying your money for something that's like different, you know, not just like what you hear on Spotify. Yeah, yeah. I, I it's it's really weird. Like the band that I experienced that with um for the first time was seeing Knower live. I don't know if you know Knower. No, no. Um Knower has Lewis Cole in it, who's this insane drummer and uh the singer Genevieve. They're the two core members, but uh, Thundercats keyboardist was playing with them. And they had two keyboardists, a bassist, it was Genevieve and Lewis Cole. And I listened to their music on Spotify and it's just like 
you know, programmed, like digital, yeah, like, yeah. kind of fun. But when I heard them live, it was just so insane because Lewis Cole is probably one of the best drummers out there. You know, he's just like pure energy and it's insane. And Genevieve is just so like, she's just, she's like the biggest hype man, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. that you could imagine. Like she's just, she just has that energy. And they brought the crowd. They just like, they took the crowd from where they were and just blasted them through the next, the next level, you know? <laughs> and I wasn't, I wasn't expecting it. I was just like, whoa, man, like I can't believe that you guys literally just played this live. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what you want. Like that's, that's the, I think that is the kind of musician and artist that we should aspire to be, you know, and, and the kind of gigs that we should do yeah. um so that is yeah it's like an experience a different experience to just hearing it in your headphones you know <laughs> on spotify yeah you know yeah. i mean it, it absolutely is and i think i think like the the most fun thing about doing everything live especially like for this group that i have is i have a super versatile band and like we have a lot of instrument hopping that goes on. <laughs> um, so originally my lineup has my bass player playing uh, bass on the Moog and he plays trumpet and he does background vocals. Oh, wow. And <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. And my keyboardist, he does background vocals and plays saxophone. Hmm. Yeah. And then I have my drummer and then and then I obviously sing and play guitar. And so when we want the horns to be going, um, Chris can play his horn in one hand while playing the bass line. No way. <laughs> in, the, in the other hand. Wait, no, yeah. how? <laughs> he's just he's just insane. Like <laughs> that's all it Wait, is. Wait, playing like, he, the bass and then playing the the whole but he, but he's playing key bass you know he's playing like oh like, i see right yeah, yeah. okay I was gonna, <laughs> he's playing was like say, wow that's still insane though <laughs> it's still insane so so i have a, i have a show coming up um for mind design and i saw that's and sick. It, it's gonna be it's gonna be crazy but yeah. i decided to pull out like the full arrangement and um one of my mentors is a trombone player. Okay. <laughs> um, and I like learned from him in the Rubiat. He's a great composer. Um, he goes by Artie Duguid, incredible artist. Um, his name's Chris. And funnily enough, it's Chris Mish out of all names. You know, like yeah. it sounds like yeah. Christmas. Um, <laughs> he's just, and he's like, he looks like, he looks like Bruce Wayne or like Superman. <laughs> like he's just, yeah. he's just like, he he's just like square jaw, six foot two, just ultra, hunky. <laughs> ultra hunky guy. Yeah, <laughs> but I invited him to the set, and so, um, and we have a a bass player who plays real bass now. So Chris is just going to use his Moog as synth, and then have his trumpet and background vocals. Other Chris on the trombone. <laughs> Chris Mish is going to be playing the trombone and then we have Sam who plays keys and the saxophone 
And, you know, obviously that the rhythm was a section. full horn section. <laughs> yeah. That is exciting. I love that. That is just amazing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's super crazy. And everybody, like, we stretch out the songs and everybody takes, like, you know, yeah. a ridiculous solo because they're all, like, insane yeah. <laughs> musicians. Yeah. You just have to let them, don't you? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, like, you know, like the whole opening game, you know, it's, it's never like, it's never profitable or lucrative. So we're just like, you know, we need to just all show up and have as much, <laughs> have course. as much fun as possible because this is how you just, this is how you, you, you earn it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's you know. the thing. Like when you support and you're the opening act, there is that kind of nerve because these people are not here to see you at the end of the day, you know? And so it's like, mm-hmm. you really have to earn it. Like, you really have to show them, like, this is who I am. Now go and uh, follow me and support me, you know? Mm-hmm. So it must be, it must be nerve wracking, but like, yeah, you just have to really show it, you know, get on that stage yeah. and tell them what it's all about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, I, I think the, the the gauge that I've been kind of using is if people are going to talk over you or not as an opener. Because I've seen so many openers where like, where it was just like, you couldn't hear it. And yeah, like, it's yeah. just, they don't care. The crowd doesn't care. Everybody's talking over it. And it's just like a train wreck. But like, in, in venues, they do like to do that because it just hypes up the uh, the headliner artist more. I've been really happy with the challenge of not having people talk over us. And and honestly, it's actually, it hasn't really happened yet. So I've nice. been... Nice. Good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Keep that up. Yeah. Yeah. And it'll just, it'll just get better and better. Um, the best show that we did play was at South by Southwest. Oh, yeah. I saw that on your Instagram. It was, oh my God, it was just like so insane. What What was insane about it? There were just legends everywhere. Um, Los Retros, he was there. Kiefer was there. And uh, Kiefer had Braxton Cook in his band, who's an incredible saxophone player. There was also Sudan Archives, who, like, I'm really good homies with Sudan. She's, she's like, my big sis. Uh, Peanut Butter Wolf was there, obviously. Um you know, Jerry Paper, just like all the all the artists that were on the lineup were just like they're all I'm just all like I'm a huge fan of all of them. Yeah, and you just exposed them. Yeah, exactly. And I, I really, I really, really wanted to make sure that, you know, I could honor honor that, you know, honor them by just like bringing out my best performance, you know. And and the crowd loved it. I think when when the crowd started, or like when we started, there must have been like maybe 400 people in there. And I swear it went from like 400 to 900 by the time we were done. Oh, wow. And it nice. was, yeah, During it was the like, crowd. yeah, it was just like the, they just came and they were just so ready for the show. And it was, it was sick. It was just like a really beautiful night and I just got I got to meet so many people. Peyton was there. She's she's also legendary. Her voice is so good. It was it was incredible. How many songs did you do for the set? We only did four. Four, okay. 
we only we only did four and you still brought in like double the amount <laughs> yeah yeah literally like it was crazy like we our last song which is a new song that's going to be on the record has this like call and response to it and the song is just so it's so heavy it's just a heavy r&b you know slap you in the face type of song you know and that was that was what we finished on so we played we played basically like all the hits and then yeah yeah and, that, and then we just we dipped Sick. that's such a good opportunity isn't it it was it was incredible and everybody was just so they were all so grateful to be there and it was only love we were just having a good time there's no there was no cloudy like you know it was just it was all good vibes Nice. Um, did the label get you that? It, it was the label, actually. It was yeah? it was the okay, label's cool. the label's showcase. Nice. Do you have any music videos out? Yeah, yeah. I have. I, uh, I think I've saw one before. Yeah. I've I've two music videos. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I have one that I made before I got signed. For yeah, I think Cloudy that's June, the one I saw. Yeah, yeah. Which is super fun. Um, I've definitely made <laughs> it's like DIY, but I. I directed it. I styled it. Um, I shot some of the shots. I edited it. But it's just it. you, isn't it? That's that's the nice thing about it. So you know, it doesn't need to be some glamorous thing. Exactly, and I think it's still fun. Like it's it's kind of got a bit of humor to it. Um, that one, uh, the label didn't want to put out, but I just put it out on my own. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I can put it out. Nobody cares, yeah. you know. Yeah. And it's honestly got great responses. People really, really like it. And then the other music video that's out is, well, there's actually three. There's one for Rooms, which is like, it's just, it's in a warehouse and it's kind of like solo vibes. And then there's the Queen of Paisley music video as well. You know, I I love that video. That video, if you haven't seen it, it's like, it's styled so well. I feel like I would have seen it on your Instagram, but I'm going to go check it out after. And anyone else who hasn't, make sure you go check it out. Um, Bye. Yes. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> and did you say you were coming to the UK? I, so it's in the plans. Like we're okay. trying, we're trying, we're trying to get together some kind of European tour. Um, mm, yes. because my record's been doing really well over there. Really? Okay. So it's been doing like better over here? It's been Europe? doing better than it has been in the US. Oh, interesting. Do you know where exactly? Uh, the UK? It's in the UK. Yeah. Really? In the UK okay. In particular. Yeah. And I think in France and Germany. It, it must be like, I don't know. Do you know what? It's interesting when, when you look at these things because... My track Alive has been doing better in the in the states. Wow! But then it could be because the states is bigger, you know. Yeah. So yeah. you don't know like the kind of ratio, but that's interesting to hear. I want to blow. I want to blow up in in uh, in England. <laughs> yes, come. <laughs> yeah. Have I wanna, you been? I've never left the country. Okay. But I've driven everywhere in the U.S. I've been all over the mainland of of the United States. And I've been to almost every major city in every state, but I've definitely been to 48 out of the 50 with the exclusion of wow. uh, uh, Hawaii and Alaska. No way. 
How, how, have you, how have you done that and, and, and done music at the same time? Uh, I've, man, I've lived some lives. Like, <laughs> so many lives. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'm 25 now. When I started, when I started out in Chicago, I moved here when I was 19. And I, I met up with a group of friends who were kind of like, like bohemian types of people. Like, and they lived in this warehouse, which I eventually lived in later. But it was like this really large room. It was probably like 4,000 square feet. It was just like this huge room. It had 28 high foot ceilings at its highest. And we built a, a, second, a second floor in there. Wow, and, that's so cool. And everybody had rooms in there and they were all divided off by curtains. <laughs> Nobody had that's walls. Hilarious. It was just like curtains. I would love to see a photo or video of that. <laughs> yeah, I should definitely show you. But they had uh, the person one of the people who was renting the space had the school bus. Oh my God. These people sound crazy. <laughs> oh yeah. It was, it was just insane. And I used to work at a school. I used to be a, a paraprofessional and a substitute teacher. And you know, I'm, I'm 19, like I'm 19, 20. And I would go drive over after work, like every day to go hang out with these people. And I, I decided that I never wanted to I liked the school, you know, and I, I worked in the special education department and it was like, it was, it was awesome. And it was like a very fulfilling experience, but it was, it was incredibly, it was just so emotionally taxing for me that I needed to just, I needed to break out. And so I was planning on this like huge, like trip to go to like Guatemala and like try and learn music. And, you know, I, I just wanted to do something crazy, but what ended up happening is they took this school bus that they had and they'd bought it from like a, a fraternity <laughs> and it had it had a stage on top of it. A stage on top of the bus. It, it had a porch in the back <laughs> and wow. a stage on top. And we ended up like putting floors in it. We built some bunk beds in it. Oh my God. And it was painted like multicolors. It was just like this giant, magical, colorful bus. And yeah. I'll send you a picture. Yeah. And we ended up we ended up just like all pooling in money together. And this thing got like eight miles per gallon. So we all just spent, you know, like a thousand or so each on just like filling this thing up and getting oh it across God. the country. And and so we ended up taking this huge road trip like across the United States. And we would pull up to towns with my old band Early Face. Me and my drummer, we would just set up on top of the stage and we would play, we would play music. Oh, so funny. In this, like in the middle of the street. We would like pull up to like a, yeah, we would pull, we would literally pull up to the side of like a parking lot or like a place and we would just play on top of the bus and people were just so surprised and we would just hustle merch. Oh my God. And and did you get people like coming to to watch you standing yeah. by this bus? Oh my god! Yeah. yeah, they would just come, and the biggest show that the biggest crowd that we got it, <laughs> it must have, it must have been like show. maybe eighty people or something like that. Oh my but god! We, we that's amassed so nice. like a little a little crowd at Santa Monica in in LA, but we went through the national parks. Like oh my goodness! Like it is a very very beautiful wide open country. The different ecosystems, the environments, everything, you know, in certain places over here are like definitely worth seeing. The national parks for sure. 
That must have been so interesting to like, it's like, it's it's all in one place, but it's so big and it's so vast. Like there's so many different, like you said, ecosystems are just like yeah. the way, you know, each neighborhood is like, it's just different, isn't it? Yeah. It's like either, like either the United States is like a, like a simulation, like truck stop <laughs> gas station town. Yeah. A, a like suburb, a big city or like an incredibly beautiful like national park <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> and it's interesting cuz then you get to see what the people are like, isn't it? Like especially from yeah. just playing and just get, hopping on top of a bus in the middle of wherever and saying, "Right guys, listen to me." <laughs> and then seeing who comes and listens. Yeah. That's so cool though. That's such a good experience. Did you make most of your money at the time that way? <laughs> um well, it all just went into the gas. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there was no there was no money to be made. At least but it wasn't I, coming out your pocket. Yeah, yeah. I I'm and I met the love of my life on the bus. Oh, that's actually. so sweet. So yeah, it was it was crazy. Like I ended up um we broke down in Albuquerque in, in the desert because like yeah, it's just hot and it melted like the the wire harness <gasps> on the bus. And I was yeah. the only person who had who has like any, you know, who has mechanical knowledge. So I had to fix the bus. <laughs> oh my God. That's like a movie. No, yeah. you should be, you should make a movie, a movie, <laughs> a documentary of some kind. There was, there actually was a documentary that was going on. <laughs> wow. wow <laughs> you weird. need to put that together. But they kept making me into the bad guy. It was definitely like toxic oh. <laughs> too. Cause we're, we're all, we were all like 20, you know, yeah. and everybody was like, gaslighting each other and like yeah yeah nobody was respecting boundaries it, it was just it, it was definitely like messy but I met I met Kaya and it, and it it kind of just like it was just us in that environment and Aww, the so first sweet. day that we met like we've been living together and it's almost it's been almost four years but she she literally like hopped on the bus and like came on I was like why don't you just like Oh, what? So she wasn't even like in the the beginning she, group. She lived in Albuquerque, and oh my god! <laughs> and like I, so I like hopped on Tinder, you know, whatever. Yeah. That's how people meet, I guess, these yeah. days. Um, but I didn't have anything except for like a D'Angelo song, like a few pictures. I didn't have a bio, and she super liked me, and I was like, oh, okay. And she pulls up in this like nineteen eighties Volvo you know, like the super boxy one and it's all white and it's really clean because, you know, it's New Mexico. It doesn't really rain there. So it's like not rusty. It's just this beautiful Volvo that looks like it's new and she's wearing all white and the sun is setting oh. and she yeah, and she hops out <laughs> her car nice yeah. and she just like, she looks me up and down. And the first thing that comes out of her mouth was I'm not sleeping with you. Oh, whoa. And I was like, and you know what? I was like, I was like, that's cool. Like, I don't care at all. Like, let's go, <laughs> let's like, let's go on a date. And like, I was dirty because I was fixing the bus. Oh my God. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I just fixed it. So I was covered in, in soot and rust and grease, you know? And I was just like, yeah, let me just clean myself up. And you know, she comes to this weird like sculpture garden commune that we're staying on out there. And she meets all my friends who are on the bus. And we ended up, um, you know, we ended up staying there for a while. But I was like, you got any 24 hour spots here? And 
she took me to this place called the Frontier in New Mexico. And it was it was so gorgeous. It was just like this, <laughs> like the sun was setting and it was just like this beautiful, like just this gorgeous, like New Mexico day. We go to this place and we have coffee and then she shows me around the city and we're having a really great conversation. She invites me back to her place. And Aww. the next morning she was just like, you know, it would be a dream to to do what you're doing. I've always wanted to do that. And I was just like, why, why don't you just come on? Up on the bus. Wow. That is such a yeah, like little perfect love story. That's so cute. It's crazy. <laughs> and she just, she just did it. She was just like, she was like, yep. And she called her mom. She's like, mom, can you take care of my apartment and like pack everything up? Like, I wonder what her reaction was like. She was just like, cool. Really? Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yep. See ya. He <laughs> was like, yeah, because her mom was just like, whatever, you know. So when we when I did the bus trip, I think I was 21 by that time. So, and she was 20. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> that is such a sweet story. Oh, wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. And Of course. <laughs> that's a lovely end to the to the podcast. Definitely. Please, could you let everyone know what your Instagram is? Silas underscore short. And that's spelled S-I-L-A-S underscore S-H-O-R-T. Nice and simple. And then that is your Spotify and everything else, isn't it? So make sure to go listen. And I'm excited. Definitely. Speak to you soon. Speak to you soon. That was Silas Short. If you are currently listening in the UK, keep a lookout for his tour in Europe. I'll definitely be there. Thank you for listening and make sure you go check out my latest single, Alive. <laughs>